0: well good morning it's uh, wonderful to be back with you this morning I think I was here early in the summer if I remember correctly I've been on quite a few journeys since then the last one took me from e- to Egypt from there to Tunisia on to Mauritania and then somewhat obscurely across to Nepal A few days back in the UK before I was in Malaysia and now I'm home. And it's good to be home for a a couple of months um, at least. But I want to say thank you to you as a church for your generous support. What a privilege it is for us together as God's people to see and to hear what he's doing around this world. It isn't so much about what I do, or indeed about what you do. The invitation we have from God is to see what he's doing in this world. And it's been amazing on this trip, into countries that for the majority of them live under Islam, to see how God is not just building his church, But he's equipping people with a passion for their nation with a desire to see God at work I'm privileged to be part of that I've been part of it for 40 years now Um, and I'm privileged to share that journey with you here at Haywards Heath as well so thank you and I trust as we journey over the next couple of years we'll be able to share something of the excitement of seeing how God Yes, God. In the midst of a world where there is so much conflict, so much that would take away our hope, that in the midst of that world, God is still at work, hope still lives, and we celebrate something of the reason of that, this Christmas. Well, we're journeying through the Christmas story, I believe. I have to admit, I don't know what you've heard before, but I was told we're up to Mary and Joseph going to Bethlehem. Now, if we think about this, it's been a fairly tumultuous start for them, hasn't it? Mary was visited by an angel, and this angel said to her that she's going to have a child. Young, unmarried, yes, engaged, but unmarried, and now pregnant, Not kind of the greatest place you want to sit in, is it? And we know that Mary went on a trip to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And there she experiences God's amazing encouragement. And that encounter with God along with her cousin gave her peace from which to face all that lay ahead of her. And then there was Joseph. He hears that the woman he's engaged to be married to is pregnant, not something he was expecting. And then what happens, he decides that the way forward is to quietly divorce her. And then, a dream. Now if you and I have a dream, we probably don't think very much about it, but last night uh, we had, there were folk who were visiting Mark and Fees and told the story of God speaking to them through dreams. Incredible stories that led to their salvation and Joseph has a dream and in the dream the angel says to him don't worry God's in charge of this just go ahead and marry her. He was assuring Joseph that this was from him that Joseph could trust God. So we can only begin to imagine the sort of challenges that they as a couple were facing. Mary is pregnant and the community will know that they're not yet married. And Joseph stands with Mary, supporting her and treating her without prejudice as his wife-to-be. They were both on a journey of faith. What they'd heard from God, what he'd ask of them was unusual. It was a huge ask, actually, for them to live in their community and to live trusting God. So what lay ahead of them? Well, was it the straw that broke the camel's back? Because suddenly Caesar Augustus says, you all have to go to the town of your origin and you have to register there. That actually sent them off on a 68 mile journey. We kind of have this nice picture at Christmas of Mary, a little bit pregnant, um, sitting on the back of a donkey riding along. I can tell you riding a donkey for two kilometers is a long way. 68 miles, if there was a donkey, because none of the scriptures actually tell us there was a donkey but 68 miles when we can imagine she must have been close to eight months pregnant. I've never been pregnant, so women who have, you will know what it's like to be eight months pregnant. I don't know how many of you wanted to ride on a donkey (laughs) at eight months. But here's the ask. Now maybe for them it was a welcome relief to get away from the pressures of the community or maybe it was the straw that felt like it was going to break the camel's back. We assume Mary was fairly advanced in her pregnancy because she gives birth soon after arriving in Bethlehem. So here was a young woman facing a pregnancy that at least in its beginning was anything but normal and now she has to accompany Joseph to the city of his birth. And we can imagine the, the um, let's say, the pressures that that created for her, maybe anxieties and fears, that sense of aloneness at this critical time in her life. And I wonder whether she asked, is there no end to what God is going to ask of me? But it wasn't just Mary, it was Joseph because now he had to carry the whole responsibility for Mary. There was no network of family there around who were going to support her, take the responsibility. Without those usual support networks around her as she gave birth, I can imagine that Joseph inside himself was saying, why now? Like, come on, don't the authorities, don't the rulers, don't the politicians have any idea what these random decisions that they make, how they impact the lives of everyday people like me? <clears throat> I mean, surely God could overrule this. Surely He could help me out. I imagine Joseph saying, I know nothing about caring for a woman giving birth. I mean, to this stage, he was not yet married. This is woman's work. I remember the weeks after my sister lost her battle with cancer. They were hard. While I knew God was there and I was still assured of that, it seemed like the things that he was asking of me were far, far more than I had the strength or ability to cope with. And then one day I found myself at the hospital with my older brother. He went through his heart surgery and as we met with the surgeon at the end of that time, she said to us, actually I only did a triple bypass, I decided to save the other one because a quarter of your heart is dead. And I, I still feel that sinking feeling that I, had at that time. Give me a break, God. I don't know if I really thought I was talking to God, but you know, your reaction often is, just give me a break. It seemed that the things God was asking me to walk through were more than I felt able to handle. When I became the International Director for ACT, that's the Association for Cooperation and Transformation that works in North Africa, a role I continue to carry, over the first few months I found out what a challenging financial position it was in. I'm not sure if I'd have taken the job if I knew. There we go, we have this sense of God's call so often and we want to walk in obedience to his word, to the things that he's asking us to do. And we spent those first 18 months as a team stabilising that financial position. And in December 2022, 5th of December, I know the dates, they're right here. 5th of December we presented a budget to the board that required us still to raise some money, but it seemed manageable in the context of a world where there were so many needs and challenges. On the 23rd of December, 2022, we received the news that our biggest funder of our largest project was unable to go ahead with their funding. Their government, where they got the funding from, was pulling out. I remember that sinking feeling. Not again. Can we actually survive? What about the staff that I need to pay? We now had a 50% hole in our budget. Well, it was Christmas, so at least I didn't have to tell the board, did I? At least not immediately. Here's the situation. What do we do when life throws those one more thing, that one more thing that seems too hard to carry on top of everything else that we're being asked to carry? What do we do? Mary and Joseph faced this dilemma. What God had already asked of this young couple seemed far beyond anything that anyone should actually have to manage and then there was just one more thing a trip to Bethlehem 68 miles that they got there on a donkey or by walking we don't know Mary many months pregnant and they were walking away from all those places where the networks of support would surely have enabled them at least to bear the burden they had to carry. But I want to suggest to us this morning that the journey they were asked to go on was more than a physical journey. I mean, yes, they did have to cover 68 miles to get there. But this was part of their ongoing journey with God. They were being asked by God to continue to lean into him. The word that he spoke to them was still true, even in this situation. I am God and I am at work. That was the message he gave to both of them in these very difficult first encounters. And here when it appeared that just some random ruler decided on some whim, To send them to Bethlehem God was still saying to them I'm with you I will work out my plans and purposes and I think that the physical journey that they're asked to go on is a picture for all of us of their relationship with God and of God's commitment to them to walk through every part of what this journey held for them when I look back on the two situations that I've mentioned from my own experience, they were pictures of God at work in the things he was calling me to. I had wondered in that 18 months, should, we, should ACT close? And God had given me a challenge in the form of a question. I wanted an answer because I was asking him, should it close? And God said to me, will you embrace weakness? And there on the 23rd of December last year, I had a choice. Would I embrace weakness or would I walk away from the things that God was asking me to? And so that journey that God took me into with ACT, I see is something similar of the journey God took Mary and Joseph into. That's the, the encouragement, the challenge, the desire of God that we walk out what he says to us, the invitations that he gives to us, that we walk them out day by day. There was nothing miraculous about that journey to Bethlehem. They just had to put one foot after the other. And then as this, um, that picture uh, by the young people so brilliantly gave us, there were still more problems when we got to, they got to the end But here's my question, for me and for you, how is God asking me to journey with him when what what lies ahead seems like the last straw? What has he already asked of me that this calls me to walk out with him by faith? Well, you and I have this privilege of being able to read the whole story, don't we? So we don't just read Luke chapter 2, 1 to 7 as an isolated passage, because we know that there's a whole lot more to it. And that's the truth, isn't it? That in all of our stories, there's more than what you and I see in this moment now. One of the things that's been exciting for me as I've journeyed in discipleship with some of the women who follow Jesus out of Islam is the excitement for them when they see that God's been writing their story as part of his bigger story. One of the women from North Africa has been a follower of Jesus for 62 years. She became a believer when she was eight in a country where you could have counted the believers on, your, on one hand probably at that time. She remains today, 62 years later, the only member of her family who is a follower of Jesus. And her choice has meant that she didn't marry because there weren't believers in those days for her to marry. And that means that in old age, life is sometimes lonely. And when we gathered on one occasion, we'd drawn a big arc across a large page to re- represent God's story from eternity to eternity. And the place where we get to know it from genera- uh, in Genesis right through to Revelation, which has an unending invitation into the kingdom and people of God. And we invited the women to come up and to mark where they saw themselves in this ark of God's story. And as Halima came up and put that cross on that, the joy that burst out of her faith because she realized that she wasn't alone, that her story was not some little girl who had lived 62 years in so often in isolation. Her story was part of something that God was doing and it fitted in. It was part of that and she was thrilled and delighted. She said, he's been writing my story. This isn't my story, it's God's story. Mary and Joseph would see again and again how this difficult part, this one journey, was already written into God's story. This one more thing, this trip to Bethlehem that seemed so inconvenient, was part of God's biggest story. It was a fulfillment of God's word spoken through the prophets. Micah chapter five and verse two says, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be a ruler over Israel, whose origins are of old, from ancient times. The prophets told us that Jesus would be born of David's line. And here in Luke chapter 2 and verse 5, we read that Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem, which was what? the town of david because joseph belonged to david's line we'd like to think that mary and joseph had draw, drawn all of those dots they had the line that went through all the prophets and they could see oh yeah this is great we're going to bethlehem with me 8 months pregnant because actually this is god's god's prophesied this is going to happen I don't know if they don't. Scripture doesn't tell us whether they had drawn those lines or not. Because, you see, so often we live in the reality of every day, don't we? We just have to get through today, this week, this month, this year. And we forget that what God is doing is writing his story. And that his story is a bigger story. We rejoice and we celebrate this Christmas story. It captures our hearts and our imaginations. It reveals more of who God is to us each Christmas as we sit and reflect and listen and learn. And yet Mary and Joseph just lived out that journey, one step after the other. And the invitation God gives to us in our journeys is to live it out one step after the other. But here's the reality, the same as it was a reality for Mary and Joseph, that God is writing a much bigger story and that your life, my life, our life together is part of this much bigger story. Unlike Mary and Joseph, we might not see where our stories are written into the narrative of Scripture. Although I invite you one day just to do that. Put a big ark and ask, where's my story, God? And go and see how God has written your story as part of his. But Hebrews 11 reminds us, doesn't it, that we need to see by faith. Hebrews 11 tells us that so many lived in the reality that they'd received God's promises even though they didn't actually see it fulfilled in their lifetime. So here's my next question for us. What has God been saying to me that I can see by faith? Even, even if it's not what I'm experiencing now. What's the faith journey that God is inviting me into where he's asking me to look with the eye of faith that I might see what he is doing. As I was looking at this story, I was reminded of what Paul said to the church in Galatians, in Galatia, in chapter 4 and verse 5 of Galatians. It says this. When the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son... Born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. When Micah wrote his prophecy 700 years before Mary and Joseph undertook that journey to Bethlehem, I don't think he could have imagined just what it would look like. What he knew was that God had given him a word and he was asked to fulfill it to proclaim it. When Mary and Joseph walked that 68 miles, I don't believe that they imagined how their story would be written into the church that God was about building and is continuing to build in his world today. But as Paul says, when the fullness of time came, Mary might have wondered if she was going to make it to Bethlehem or whether perhaps she would be giving birth on the side of the road. Joseph might have wondered how he might provide a safe place for Mary to give birth. But as Paul reminds us, looking back, when the fullness of time came, God God was at work. God was bringing his story to fulfillment. And we can look back on this and we can say, yeah, great, God's the God of history. He is. But here's the truth. God is the God of history because God is the God of today. He doesn't rewrite history. You know, sometimes when you read the history books, you think, my goodness, is that what really happened? God doesn't do that. He's writing history today because he's involved in our world today. He's involved in you and your life and my life today, bringing to fruition his great story. When, as was read for us from Isaiah chapter 2, we're going to see those from every tribe and nation come around the throne of God God has this immense and amazing plan, doesn't he? And you and I, in the context of every day, can almost forget that God's still God. He's God of our plans. He's God of the things that are happening. He is still God writing his story. For a number of years, I worked in a large women's college in Pakistan. Pakistan. The vision of one of the early principals, Miss McNair, meant that when partition in India happened in 1948, suddenly you had a Christian women's higher education institution in Islamic Pakistan. During the years that I was there, one at the last missionary principal came back to visit. Her name was Margaret Robinson. And she was there for a few weeks with us and talking to her one evening around the dinner table, she said that she'd been visited by one of her students. Now, obviously, an older lady. And this student, this former student said to her, you don't know, do you? I mean, when someone says that that to you, you obviously don't know because you don't know what they're going to say. And Margaret said... She just looked at her and the woman said to her, I became a follower of Jesus when I was a student here because I saw what love looked like in you as teachers. Margaret had no idea. She'd simply walked out every day in all of the challenges of Pakistan as principal at the time when the government decided to nationalize all education institutions, she simply walked out what God asked her to do. And here, so many years later, she learned that God had been writing his story in the life of this woman, who he'd, in the fullness of time, he'd drawn her in to be adopted as one of his children. Some years ago I heard the story, I heard that a sister of one of my friends had gone into mission. I was delighted, I knew Cheryl and Jenny very, very well. And it wasn't until some years later that I had the chance to catch up with Cheryl. And she told me the story of how she'd become involved in mission. And without any awareness of me, something that I had shared from a platform once, along with watching my life and reading my prayer letters, had been used by God to draw her into the story. Intermission. I never knew. I was delighted to get to know that because when we see these things of the way God's at work, it gives us encouragement and thrill to keep going, to keep walking by faith. But God was writing his story as I leaned into walking with him by faith. I sometimes rewrite part of Hebrews chapter 11. I hope you don't feel this irreverent, but this is the sort of thing that I've written in my journal lately. By faith, Cathy kept ACT open and embraced weakness believing God's call to be part of building his church in North Africa. By faith, Cathy responded to God's invitation for ACT to work in Mauritania, believing that God who calls is faithful and is building his church. By faith, Cathy pursued work with vulnerable women in Mauritania, believing that God will bring justice for those who suffer. How would you rewrite Hebrews chapter 11? What, what would you add to the story of Hebrews chapter 11 from your own life by faith? By faith. How would this church add to the story recorded for us in Hebrews 11 of those who saw and walked by faith? In the fullness of time, God brings into being all that he has planned and purposed to reveal to the nations that he is God, that they might see his glory and worship him in the fullness of time. Mary and Joseph, of course, we put them on the stage at Christmas, don't we? But they were two ordinary people Living through very difficult circumstances, who walked out in this story we've read in Luke chapter 2. What it is to simply live life every day, leaning in by faith to God. I'm reminded of Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. God is faithful, he says in verse 13. He will not let you be tested beyond what you can bear. And if you're like me, you have been in circumstances where you think, I don't think you know me very well, God. But the reality is, by faith, in the fullness of time, we will see God. As Mary and Joseph did there in Bethlehem, I wouldn't want to give birth in a stable. We make it a nice clean stable, it's all clean straw and the cow is just looking very nicely. But the reality is it was a working stable. It was in that context of living life in the circumstances and conditions that we are in that we learn to live life by faith. Lean into God by faith and in the fullness of time. Let's pray. As we take a moment, I want you to think about those things that God's inviting you into. What's the by-faith journey that God is inviting you individually and you as a community of God's people here at Haywood's Heath? What's the by faith journey? It seems like just every day, following a government instruction, walking out the things that are happening, but by faith, God is writing his story. And Mary and Joseph remind us of that. Father God, we thank you that you are at work because you're God. And we recognise that often in our lives, in the everyday that seems so mundane or so challenging, we don't always recognise that you're calling us to lean into you and by faith journey with you. Thank you for the example we have of Mary and Joseph. Thank you that you remind us in this story that you were at work in something that was far bigger than a simple trip to Bethlehem. And so we ask for grace this week, to walk with you, to journey by faith. We ask for grace as we move into 2024, to by faith, trust you, see you, and lean into you in the journey that you have us on. And Father, we want to be careful to give you all the glory for you and you alone are God. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.